Now tuning in to Earbud Media, audio for everyone. Hello, it's podcast time. Hello? What time is it, Mel? Time is this? No, it's podcast time. It's podcast time. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Sincerely Queerly podcast. My name is Ezra. I'm Mel. And we're gay and dating, and I had top surgery last week. Same podcast, same two gays, minus two titty. We still got two, though. Yeah. That, that's how that math checks out. A total of two titties. Used to be I a... have one, and you have No! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a friendship bracelet. <laughs> it's like you have, like, the best titty, yes. and I have the friend's yes. titty. <laughs> surgery we're gonna talk about it today but first mel has a jonas brothers song for us in honor of ezra's top surgery i have picked good night and goodbye as a farewell to ezra's boobs yes they're gone good night you said good night and goodbye um fucking hello go fly somewhere else hello that's homophobic. It's Pride Month. I shouldn't say that. It won't be Pride Month when we post this. We're finally not recording this in New York, and we still can't get away from these plane trains and automobiles. <laughs> I got top surgery on June 17th. Um, I went to Dr. Redkin at UCLA. He's great. 10 out of 10. Recommend. Um very happy. I put a shirt on for the first time ever. No. Non sequitur, just... I No. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't figure out the arms. It took me 18 years. Um, no, I put a shirt on for the first time in uh, too long, like 10 days. Uh, for the first time today, it feels great. It feels great to wear a shirt. I mean, I look cute in a nice button, button up, but... Uh, T-shirts are where I belong. Okay, wait. Yeah. Totally unrelated totally question unrelated for the audience. Question for the audience. Well, it's not totally unrelated. Tweet us and tell us if you say button up or button down. Oh, I have an answer to this. What? Button ups are casual and button downs are formal. Why? What, like... I, I don't know. Like, who told just you because... That? My brain... That's what, but that's oh, what I do. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying that. That's like a real distinction. No, but that's like my distinction. Button down and is, I'm always right. The button down is formal. Yeah. The button up is informal. Yeah. Interesting. Please tell us your logic because I am constantly, I start saying button and then I'm like, which one? Which way do I go? Do I go which up one? or down? What? <laughs> what am I feeling? Anyway. But yeah, when you get top surgery, um, you can't use uh, your arms. I'm sure we'll get more into this, but you can't. You lose a lot of arm mobility because uh, that particular muscle that controls your arm movements um, is also right where you have like incisions and gross stuff and that can pull on your stitches and mess you up. Uh, and so you feel you feel quite tender and you pretty much walk like a little T-Rex with T-Rex arms. And so the only real shirts you can wear are like button-ups and um, it, gets t- it gets, especially when that's like not... It's like not my go-to look. Like I own a couple 
Like, it's not my go-to I look. I think it should be your go-to look, though. Yeah, but it's not. And you don't dictate what I wear, because I'm a strong, independent, non-binary person. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't control me. <laughs> um, also, I feel we should point out now a content warning is that we're going to try to keep this really non-graphic, but this has been a very graphic experience for everyone involved. <laughs> you make that sound so scary. You almost fainted the other day. This is well, because something looked gross. That's true, but I do also faint more than the average person. Yeah, but just content warning, we're going to be talking about surgery a little stuff. bit surgery stuff, but yeah, I have keeping had... it low key. And also, I will say, I have, I still stand by this. I've had a in, way easier recovery than like. I think most of the people I know. There are some people I know who had same recovery experiences as me, but like I know a lot of people who had a, a rougher time than I did. And this is this is all of this. Everything we say is every trans person's experience with surgery is different. Everyone's relationship to their body is different, and everyone's experience recovering from surgery is different. Cause bodies be healing, whatever way they're gonna heal. This all started because I just wanted to say that I'm wearing a T-shirt today and. For me, that's a big indicator that I'm feeling more like myself. I have more mobility. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, but I was not feeling so good, like, ten days ago. Am I ten days out now? Am I doing math right? It was a Monday. I am... Okay, no. I am... Eight... No, I'm... No. Not eight Nine. days. Nine days. Nine? Seven would be Monday. Tuesday would be eight. Wednesday is Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm nine huh. days post-op. Cool. This will go up next month, so next month, totally different story, but when we're recording this right now, nine days to post-op. Oh, wait, one sec. I want to establish that you're here and we're together in person right now because you flew out to take care of me, and so we're also going to be talking about that element of this mm -hmm. and talking about me having top surgery from the perspective of us, like... From the perspective of, like, not just, like, a trans person having top surgery, but also being in, like, a relationship and having, like, a partner take care yeah, of me. Yeah, or so. anyone. Yeah. I was really fortunate, and my parents have also been taking care of me. So, before any of this happened, um, when I wanted top surgery and I would hear about other people around my age having top surgery, I'm, like, very young and very lucky uh, to have gotten this at the age mm -hmm. that I am. Uh, but something that I would often think when I would see other young people get top surgery, or just anyone really, uh, as a person who wanted it, is, like, how'd you do that? Because top surgery is an expensive surgery, and with anything that's gender-affirming like this, it can be really, there can be a lot of hoops that you have to jump through in order to get to a point where you're actually, like, have a date and have a surgeon locked down and can pay for it. Uh, so I'm just gonna talk about, like, my experience, um, I will say this a bunch of times, but, like, I am very, very lucky and very, very grateful. I never thought that I was going to be in this position, even, like, eight months ago. Also, from my understanding, like, you've had a pretty quick process. Yes. Like, much quicker than the average person mm -hmm. because of your circumstances. So, like, the fact that you didn't know this was happening eight months ago, like, that, I think that's not the norm. No, it's not. Usually, um, like, it's, like, can be, like, a year, year and a half until yeah. it's so, all sorted. Yeah, when I entered college, I knew I wanted 
for the past like two years I've known I want a top surgery but um you know this time last year my thought was I'm not gonna be able to afford it while I'm a student I'll be like 22 out of college and the first thing I'll do once I get a big boy job is start saving and then when I'm on my own I'll be able to get top surgery so that's like that's how far in the future I was I thought this was gonna be I didn't see any other way of this happening and honestly if things hadn't worked out the way that they worked out I don't I don't know I I don't think I would have gotten to have top surgery like under these circumstances I think that is what I would have had to do at the end of my first semester of college I actually found out that I was on my particular school's insurance Uh, I go to school in Massachusetts which is like one of the best places to be in terms of like trans health care. Uh, Massachusetts just has certain laws that make trans health care generally better and make insurance companies have to cover procedures. Um, what I found out was that because I was on this Massachusetts insurance with my college, my surgery, me having top surgery, if I went through the proper steps, would be 100% covered by my insurance because uh, my particular Massachusetts insurance covers trans uh, surgery procedures in full. And I found this out one day not thinking I was going, not even, like, looking into top surgery that hard with my college, like, out of the blue, found this out, um, and I was immediately, like, cool, so I'm gonna do this, Uh, I'm gonna do everything in my power to do this as soon as possible, because, uh, my college could always change insurance companies, uh, because laws that protect trans healthcare are getting repealed, because things just change so much, and also because I knew that Generally, this is a really long process, um, but I started doing the work. Uh, I started looking at what I would need to do in order to basically get a surgery approved by insurance. So I saw a gender therapist. Um, I got a letter recommending me for top surgery, and I found a place uh, where I would want to get this procedure done. My uh, insurance covers procedures out of state so I'm on Massachusetts insurance but I am currently home um I live in California uh and so I'm I've recovered at home and I went to UCLA um and my insurance carried over there but that's essentially what happened I went into UCLA I went through their system which required um three appointments before I got a date and they required a letter and they sent info to my insurance. My insurance approved it. And the way UCLA works, because um, you basically have to be admitted into their trans health program is like, they called me in April and were like, you can get a date as early as a month out from that call, which is not the way a lot of places do it. A lot of times in other countries. Yeah. I should also say this is very U S specific. A lot of times in other countries and other um, situations, you're placed on a waiting list. In my case, the waiting was just for my insurance. They, they actually only book, like, six months in advance, and they don't book you any later. Like, the latest I could get was, like, six months out from that call. So that's just the way they did it. Um, and suddenly, I'd gone in, in the span of, like, six months from, like, I'm gonna get top surgery three years from now to, like, I'm getting top surgery in three months which was insane and an emotional roller coaster and not at all probably what 
if, if anyone listening to this is thinking about getting top surgery, like, that might not be what your situation looks like. I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone, but yeah, so that's how I did this. That's how that happened. Also, tip if you're looking for somewhere to get top surgery quickly, UCLA. <laughs> UCLA. <laughs> um, yeah, UCLA, there's like a, there's some stuff you have to jump through, but generally, uh, I highly recommend them. And yeah, uh, if you have insurance, that'll approve you quickly. UCLA will push you through quickly. So there were, we're not going to get into it because it's just so nuts and annoying, but like as simple and lovely as that story sounds, we still had some insurance flubs. Like that's the thing about doing anything like this is like, even if you have wonderful insurance, like, uh, anytime you need to use insurance, it's hell. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're for anything. Yeah. Anytime, even if the insurance is like, yeah, this is our job. We'll cover it. They'll fuck it up. Yeah. The minute you actually cash in on that, they're like, wait, our job. What? Gotta love America. I don't know. Like other places. But But it worked out. Yeah, it all worked out, but, like, even... If you hit a bump, it's it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Okay, I've tried to be as concise about this as possible, and I've still talked a long time about that. But that's how that happened. Um, okay, Mel. Sorry, you've had to be quiet for... It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I love your voice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, even though, like, I was 110% sure about getting top surgery... Mm -hmm. But, like, how was I in the days leading up to surgery when you flew out here? How was I doing? Um, I mean, I hear people go, like, all across the board before gender-affirming surgeries. Yeah. Where, like, sometimes they can go all the way to one extreme, which is, like, I shouldn't be doing this. I don't need this. You know, um, I don't want this anymore, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. a normal reaction to have when you're making a big decision about your body. Um... Or to the other end where they're just, like, super, like, manic and, like, happy, happy days. Um, I'd say you were, like, in the middle of those two. Somewhat fluctuating between the two extremes occasionally. Yeah, but I think for you it was less, like, I don't know if I want to do this. It was just, like, this happened so much quicker than I expected that I didn't have the time I thought I would have to process all of it. Yeah. So you were very, like, I don't know stressed overwhelmed yeah about that but it wasn't like oh I don't know if I should be doing this it's like oh I didn't know I would be doing this right now yeah um there's definitely I didn't feel any of the ways I thought I would feel which I think is just something to like expect if you can expect that um yeah I didn't I didn't all of the things that I thought I would be feeling before top surgery they all went away and were replaced with like weird feelings that were harder to deal with because they weren't what I anticipated experiencing. And I it wasn't real for me because it happened so quickly. It wasn't real for me until, like, Mel showed up. And then I think I was actually a little bit more level-headed. Mm-hmm. But I had, like, a week and a half period leading up to Mel arriving. Um, and Mel arrived, like, a few days before surgery. And in that week and a half, I, like, spent a lot of time alone and was kind of just, like going nuts by myself because I was just like I don't feel the way I thought I would feel and therefore like this is wrong Mm -hmm. um but the truth is that like you can't really anticipate your feelings toward like such a large life change and for me it was just that like once it happened once the thing I'd been pining for for two years like happened and was done all that longing and all that want like disappeared 
it was just gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's interesting because I think for other people, like I would be talking to people about you getting the surgery and sometimes they'd look at me and be like, are they sure they want to do that? Like, are you sure this is like the best thing for them to do? Like, isn't it kind of early? Like, do they need to think about it more? And I'd be like, no, like they know what they want. Like, yeah, that's what they want to do. And then having gotten your surgery, I mean, I've only really spoken to your parents at this point, but they've kind of been like, wow, we like really get how trans they are now just seeing how happy you were from getting the surgery they're like oh they really did like need that yeah it wasn't just like an impulsive decision it was like really something that to them validates your gender identity but then at the same time it like takes away the thing that you've been yeah using to validate it yeah and I will say like yeah coming out of surgery like through all of this like this this was like a no-brainer for me it was weird to have the sort of wanting it gone, mm-hmm. but then I woke up from surgery and I was just like, I did it, and I have literally no regrets. Like, I have mm-hmm. no regrets about anything that I've done, and yeah, and I'm just like, I mean, I'm ready to, like, really fully be in this body because right now, like, it's still, like, gross, like, it's just, like... And a lot of work. Yeah, it's gross and it's sore and... So, you know, I'm not even fully, like... And I have, like, I have to wear, like, a, a binder still, like, a post-op compression garment on my chest at all times. Uh, but, you know, like, looking in the mirror, even when my chest looks a little bit gross and bruised, like, I'm just like, yes, this was 100% always something that I had to do. Worth noting that... If you don't feel that positively about it when you're done, you're still valid and fine. Yeah. Long story short. Yeah, you don't you don't have to be sure that you want surgery in order to be trans. It's okay to take time to figure stuff out. It's okay to get surgery if you weren't always sure you wanted it. And it's okay to come out of surgery feeling, like, unsure still. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Can I add... Yes. Something about the regret piece. Um, so I'm at this really cool internship that Most basically... super cool. I just really like it. It's uh, called the Gender and Family Project at the Ackerman Institute. Uh, look it up if you're in New York or even if you're not in New York. Um, basically, they have parents of transgender kids from as young as like five years old to 18. Um, and what they do is they provide support groups for the parents of those kids as well as the kids themselves to kind of like give parents the right tools to be gender affirming. And something that comes up a lot is like talking about when kids want surgery or when they want hormones or when they want to make like pretty irreversible changes to their body. And the concern is always like, I'm making this as a parent, I'm making this decision for a minor and I don't want the kid to regret it later and be upset. And what the professionals say is just that when you let the kids lead the way and like let them make decisions about their body, even if they regret it, even in the small percentage where people regret it later in life, they still 
are content that they had the option to make that decision. Like, they're still happy that they had agency. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot better than, like, them never being able to make their own decisions at all. So, just a fun, fun psychology fact. Yeah. Okay, so coming out of surgery, uh, I... Here's the fun part of having a significant other go through any kind of surgery, is that they wake up and they're high on drugs, and then they're not going to remember what they said, and you get to tell them. (laughs) So, Mel, talk a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Ezra coming out of surgery. So, it all comes in bits and pieces. I don't remember, like, the sequence of events. But one of the first things you said, and it was me, Ezra's mom, and Ezra's dad in the room. And one of the first things they say is, they're kind of, like, wheeling their head around. They're like... I lived, bitch. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And it's funny because I just, I felt like I was talking to a toddler. I mean, like, yeah. and I don't know how to talk to toddlers no, at all. True. So I was very like trying to be supportive, but also like a child right now. <laughs> um, I'm a child who says bitch. <laughs> and it was a lot of very funny variations of being like, y'all. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know what's happening. Because I wanted, I was like awake from surgery, but I was, my body kept being like, no, go back to sleep. And I really wanted to be alert and awake for, to see my family. And so I was like, oh, and I was also very confused. Yeah. I was like, what's happening? What's going on? I want to be awake. And everyone was like, you can rest. Like, chill and I was like no what else did you say oh you just kept pointing at me and being like where's my beautiful girlfriend she's so pretty and like trying to grab me wait what did I say about kisses oh yeah you were like you're like Mel where are my wake up kisses (laughs) just like you know in front of their parents and the doctors I'm pretty sure you interrupted a doctor to say that I mean, listen, I just wanted love. (laughs) Great. And then suddenly, you became very wrapped up in needing to pee. Yes. Um, so there was like, well, oh, I didn't even talk about my first pee ordeal. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. Look, we talked about pee a lot in our last podcast, and I'm really sorry that that's just not gonna go away. That we're gonna have to talk about pee a lot in this podcast. We're gonna keep it brief, but it is very funny. So, you cannot eat food 24 hours before surgery. I had my last meal at midnight. That's not 24 hours before your surgery. 12 hours. You cannot, I cannot do math. Um, it's fine. You can't eat 12 hours before your surgery, and then they told me that I couldn't drink um, after 9 a.m. My surgery is at 12, and we're already running a little bit behind schedule here. So, I also say I did a bad thing, and where I should have been, like, chugging water from the time I woke up, I didn't want to. I don't like drinking water when I first wake up. So, I really drank, like, half a glass of water at, like, from, like, 8.30 to 9, and that was, like, the water I'd had. 
So I, right before we left, was like, I'm going to pee. I don't want to have to pee when we're at the hospital. Only this was a mistake. Here is a thing no one told me. Don't pee before your surgery because you will get there. And they will tell you that they need you to pee in a cup. Like you have to do sometimes. To, I still don't really know what they were. They had to test for a thing. They had to test my pee for things. And you cannot have surgery until you pee in that cup. I think it's a drug test or a pregnancy test to like yes. make sure that you're you're in the right space. Well, my bladder was a goddamn desert. It was a goddamn desert. There was nothing in there. And so I tried to pee three times and I just, there was nothing. I couldn't pee in the cup for them. And it, I was literally, it got to the point where I was literally running an hour behind. Like I was supposed to be in the surgery room, like being operated on, but I was still not because I hadn't peed. And like, at first, like I was like, try, I was like being real discreet. But I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't make later. Ooh. Oh, but like, after they give you the second pee cup, they do not care about your dignity anymore. I came out of the bathroom a second time, and they shout across this hospital room, Still no pee? And I was like, yeah, still no pee. I can't. I'm sorry. And it was like, then I have, like, nerves. And, like, <laughs> I just, like, couldn't do it. So I ended up, I didn't pee, right? Like, no, you didn't. I didn't, so I couldn't pee. They ended up having to just take blood from me, which you know at that point, like, if I'm having them take blood instead of me being able to pee, like, clearly I was not going to do it. So they ended up taking blood. There's, like, another test they can do that isn't preferred, but that they can swing, basically. And so they did that, uh, and it was fine, and I went to surgery, but moral of the story, uh, don't, don't pee before your surgery. Save it, because they need your juice. When I came out of surgery... I really needed to pee. And here's another thing that no one told me. Because I, I just didn't know this could happen. Anesthetic messes your body up. And sometimes it can mess with your bladder. Um, they also, super gross, have to catheterize you during surgeries that are of this length. And that can also mess with your bladder. So, um, my bladder was basically, like, not working to where my body was telling me that I really urgently had to pee, and I couldn't. I essentially had a post-surgery, like, UTI situation. I didn't actually have a UTI, but, like, I had UTI symptoms because of the anesthetic. Uh, and it was super gross and weird and bad. <laughs> and I basically had to, while I was high, convince the doctors and nurses to let me, like, physically get out of my hospital bed which was like an ordeal you know I was like very disoriented and had bad balance and I had to convince them to let me get up and like physically go use a restroom so that was like nuts that was just like a nuts thing I had to deal with is like fun fact when you get top surgery when you get any surgery uh you can get like a temporary temporary like UTI symptoms for like 24 hours after your surgery which is what happened to me <sighs> not gonna get any more into it though there are more details. <laughs> Gory detail. Ugh, no, that makes it sound worse. I also, I have a weird reaction to anesthetic where, like, my heart beats super fast after I wake up. And I knew this because I'd, like, it had happened when I'd had surgery previously. 
but this time my heartbeat really didn't want to go down and we ended up actually staying overnight in the hospital for like 30 hours, which was also really fun. If you get top surgery, please, if you can make sure you have any kind of like financial padding or any plan in case you have to stay the night at the hospital. Also should add from other people's experiences that you super want to make sure they're not going to charge you for that stay if you don't absolutely have to. Yes. In my case, the way UCLA does it is I was already probably going to have to stay the night. So we were just like, okay, cool. But if they say there's the option to stay the night, if you're in a financial hole, uh, make sure... They, you're not going to get charged because those overnight bills are insane. <sighs> Too much money. This is a very U.S. Um, health system centered podcast. I'm sorry about it. It's just that we live in a nightmare place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they tried to keep us longer than the 30 hours as well. And we were like, we're good. We'll take our chances. Goodbye. First week of recovery. How was that? That's That's the hardest part. I would say I had very low expectations for you going in because Mm. you know this. Mm -hmm. You get so fucking grumpy and cranky and mean when you're sick. (laughs) And sad. Yes. So when I went into this, I was like, okay, I'm prepared for the worst. Ezra's going to be a disaster and I'm I've mentally prepared myself for it so you did a lot better than I thought you were gonna do yes to me I was kind of like oh you're like handling this pretty well like you couldn't do a lot I was running around for you a lot but like that's you know minus your state of being when you're sick like it really wasn't that bad yeah like you weren't comparatively I think that I did a lot better having like recovering from top surgery than I would have if I had the flu yeah, because, like, this was something you elected for, so I think that yeah. probably... But also, comparatively, like, having the flu should put me in less pain and discomfort, and yet, it's the yeah. worst for me. Anyway, in total, there was, like, one day that was really bad. Which you should anticipate, regardless of how you deal with shit, there will be one day where you hit the wall. Yes. And that is hard. So there At was... least one day. I don't know, I told... Katie this but I think you had a total of one and a half breakdowns the one was that day just in total because things were really hard and then the half breakdown was when you got really frustrated because you couldn't fix your hair because you couldn't reach your hair (laughs) that was like half a breakdown (laughs) (laughs) but other than that like you've been in like very good spirits like you're complaining about the pain when it happens but like but not like too bad. Yeah, like, like the the amount that I complain in general. Yeah. So not like that the amount bad. that you complain when you hurt and like you have to move. Yeah. And you're like, oof. Like, yeah. There's a lot of like oof ouch yeah. as I like moved to do things. Yeah. Yeah. But like nothing too bad. And I will say, like, for me, in terms of like my body, my pain tolerance, my situation. I I always have a rougher time with discomfort than I do with pain. Defining discomfort as like things that don't feel good but aren't necessarily like the sensation of pain. Yeah. So like having to wear the binder and having the drains was the worst. 
the drains were the worst part and that's usually why people say the week the first week is the hardest is because that's when you have to have essentially tubes coming out of you that like drain fluid and stuff they're gross and bad and they feel bad it smells bad and they smell bad and i smelled bad mm-hmm. you also can't shower for the first week which is very hard very very hard on on you and on the people taking care of yeah. you especially when they're your partner if your partner's going to take care of you for top surgery they just need to know that you are you will be the least sexy that you will ever be while you're recovering also you need another bed probably yeah mel and i couldn't share a bed because i just needed so much space and pillows and to sleep on my back and to not have mel hit me in her or sleep or roll over onto your drains roll over onto me do you have any other tips for like people who might be taking care of someone during top surgery yeah so this whole time would like nine days is that what it's been yeah i've been like checking in with myself being like am i taking care of myself and i'm not fully sure how but i'm like i feel pretty good so i'm like i guess i have but i don't know a lot of what i've been doing but i think especially on your bad days normally I would say, Ezra, you're kind of being a little shit right now. I don't like it, stop. But because of the situation, I was like, saying that is literally only going to make you insufferable. (laughs) Because then you're going to be really cranky about the fact that I told you you were being cranky. Yeah. Um, And like, in hindsight, you know that I'm going to apologize and you know that. Yeah, and I, I I knew that in the moment. I was like, they're they're in a space right now and this is not how they like want to be treating people this is just where they're at right now yeah um so in those moments I just had to like really get tunnel vision and be like because a lot of the the bad stuff was when we were trying to change your pads in your binder yeah I have like you have like cotton pads in the compression garment that basically keep the gross stuff yeah. good and all of that, getting that together... Is hard. It was, like, so difficult for everyone involved. Like, we had yeah. the whole family in here trying to figure it out. Jesus, which was, like, yeah, like, too many people to start. Was, and... But we needed that many people to figure out what to do. So, yeah, that was, like, the worst. And I just really went into tunnel vision, and I was, like, like you were complaining, you were crying, you were, like, having a breakdown. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was just, like... Okay, pad here, pad here. You really were chill. Binder, binder. And you would be like, like, do you think I'm being unreasonable right now? And I'd be like, binder, clipping, <laughs> clipping, binder. Shh. And I, I literally just started going, shh. I know. We're I just like, going to get this together. It was literally, oh, but I was like, why are you shushing? <laughs> I was like, we just need to get this done and over with. So yeah. I really think in those moments, tunnel vision yeah. really helps where you just got to be like, okay, I accept that you're being an asshole right now. I accept yeah. it. You're valid. And I'm going to just completely ignore it and do yeah. what needs to I be done. I should also say, recovery does not give you a license to just be mean to the people who are taking care of you. I, th- I've i been very nice yeah. for the most part. Yeah, no. It's just, yeah. But I do think, like, don't be an asshole on purpose, obviously. Yeah. Like, don't be like, I can just boss people around and tell them that they're no. doing everything bad and stuff yeah. like that. But, like, like, yeah, you get a little leeway well, when yeah, you're like, in like these you, situations. yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't feel like, like, this process absolves me of any, like, responsibility for that. It just, like, contextualizes. Yeah. I, like, I think that's my advice 
for yeah. the caretakers involved yeah. is like you, you have to first of all before you go into it know that that's what you're signing up for which like se- like this all sounds shitty but i'm like you have to like accept that that's gonna happen yeah and if it doesn't that's great but it probably will happen and you need to not deal with it the way you would with like a completely healthy person yeah you just need to let them do whatever they're doing and just really yeah focus on yeah. doing whatever needs to be done in that moment and sometimes yeah. that makes you like not the most comforting person ever but it really diffuses the situation yes. when you just don't address it yeah and also like literally like you put anyone in a situation where they're not sleeping enough mm-hmm. um where they're in pain where they can't do anything for themselves and like whatever that person's kind of like breakdown looks like is going to happen to a degree yeah so um, if you're a caretaker just like this is really the one time you just need to be patient regardless of what's going on because sometimes you're like well this isn't fair to me so I shouldn't have to put up with this but sometimes it's not going to be fair for you and I say this as someone who like genuinely like cares about my own state of being if you try to make yourself get what you need in that moment or, mm-hmm. like, try to force the other person to be fair, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And the only way to diffuse the breakdown, I'm just using the breakdown as, like, yeah. the all-encompassing mood. The only way to diffuse that and keep things as calm as possible is to just let them do whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. tune it out, and just do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. And I will say, like, I think that you didn't, I don't think you, like, necessarily needed to, like, remind yourself, but just, like, go coming at anything, any of my grumpiness with, like, this is a really hard thing, as we're doing. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. Um, and I've been, re- and I really appreciate you. You've been the most patient I've ever seen you, probably. Um, that, that's probably where the most the... patient I will ever see yes. you. I know I get what I get. Because I don't put shot. up with shit. Like, I, no. I really call shit out, but this is the one time where I was, yeah. like, and I'm I mean, gonna deal with it. Yeah, and I mean, aside from like the moments of just like I have not slept, I am in pain. Like I am very, very, you know, upset and overwhelmed and anxious right now. Like aside from those moments, like you know, things have been like pretty okay. And yeah, we've been um, like in good moods, like having yeah. a good time, like doing fun stuff. Yeah, I will also say that like for as much as we're talking about you being in pain, not sleeping, being exhausted. A lot of those things also carry over to the caretaker. Yes. If Ezra's not sleeping, I'm not sleeping. Yes. At least the first week. Yeah. I mean, I think you you definitely slept better than I did, but like yeah. be prepared to keep some hours, so keep some odd hours. You know, you're going to be on the other person's sleep schedule. If if the person this is funny because this actually didn't end up being the case for us but like if the person having the surgery is taking a nap that is your chance to take a nap that is true mel did nap more than i did i napped every day and some days you'd be like no i'm fine and i'd be like i am going to take a nap and i think that's one of the things i did with self-care was like yeah this has been a lot and like i'd be in like a fine mood like i wouldn't be bothered anything but i would i would it's just way more tiring than you would expect like you know, just having to get up every once in a while, do things for you. Like, it's just, it, it gets tiring. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, yeah. And you don't realize how tiring it is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. naps are good, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. So that's that's good. And I mean, I definitely will say, like, it if you can have more than one person 
take care of you. Even, like, Mel's definitely been my, like, primary caretaker. Like, Mel's given me all my meds. Mel's, like, slept in the same room as me, made sure everything's okay. I, I don't accept this because I did not cook for you and I did not do your drains. That is true. Those are the most important things. <laughs> I'm talking about time-wise. You've spent yeah. the most time with me. But, you know, and, like, I know people to- people totally have done it. People totally can do it where, like, one person is taking care of you. Sometimes that's just some situation. But, like, if you can have even, like, people, like, one person stay with you but have other people come in to check on you, come in to cook for both of you, Anything like that, any weight off of, like, that one person's shoulders is going to be helpful. Mel really didn't have to cook for us. My mom was like, I'm going to be working, but I can cook for you too. That was very helpful. My dad was the only person who could really do my drain. Your mom did it. Yeah, but, like, yeah. Yeah, having, delegating tasks to multiple people and just anything that's going to give people breaks is good because... Your caretaker needs to stay in a good place in order for them to help you, basically. If you wore yourself down and, like, let yourself get resentful at me or grumpy, like... Or even just too tired. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have been a good caretaker anymore. Yeah. Um, That wouldn't be good for anyone. I will also say something else I found helpful to do was, like, trying to get out of the house whenever I could, like, by myself. Yeah. So if there was ever... No, but like to no, to kind of have a long time to and that, yeah. and to yeah. even step yeah. away for yeah. even, even like ten minutes. Yeah, and even though that that mostly looked like getting stuff for me at Target, like but that those were the things where I was like jumping in those opportunities because I was like I, I I get so just like physically fucked up from staying in the house. Like I yeah, need to like go outside. Bad. Like it gets stuffy. My head hurts. Yeah, so, I did not like it either. Like I we really didn't see the sun for a week. Yeah. I really like driving, so, like, you need me to drive to Target to get you something? Like, let me go over there. I pick myself up from some Starbucks, like, almost yes. every day. <laughs> um, yeah. was looking I mean. for excuses, like, go get you food or, like, go yeah. run out in grocery shop or whatever. Like, yeah. that was the kind of thing where I was, like, even if I'm still doing something for you, like, I still get to go out, just be by myself, do my own thing, and then and, come yeah. back and be yeah. helpful. And when you're recovering, once you can start getting out of the house, like do it because you know even if don't push yourself too hard but like if going out once makes you tired good like just take a nap getting out in the sun putting on real clothes putting on pants will make you feel like more of a person and I'm talking like you know toward the end of that week you know in the first few days you're probably just gonna want to you know become the couch but if you feel like eh maybe I could go outside like just do it. Just get some sun. It's important to stay on stay on your feet as much as possible anyway. And I mean, like, honestly, all this stuff goes for, like, anytime you're trying to take care of someone in any situation, it's like, you have to take care of yourself or else you're not gonna be helpful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are my tips, I think. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I, I got my nails did as a reward. That's true. Mel did. Mel and my mom went out. <laughs> I took a nap, and Mel and my mom went out and got their nails done together. It was very cute. Is there anything you wish you'd, like, known going into this? I mean, I was expecting the smelliness. Yeah. I don't even think I smelled as bad as we maybe anticipated. Yeah. If I was, like, real close to you that first week, like, it was pretty bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, That's what I felt worst about, honestly. But I I was, like, that was something I anticipated, so I wasn't really, like, shook. I really only cried once. Like, that's big. Ooh, this is something I didn't expect. We had, like, a bunch of shit we were gonna watch and do when you were recovering. 
And I did not realize how every single one of those things involved a screen. Yeah. And I would recommend having things to do that are somehow not on a screen because we would be sitting there for like 12 hours like watching shows and then playing sims and then watching more shows and like watching a movie and my head just started to like fry yeah and i was like i just i can't yeah. i can't do this like you person recovering should do whatever they want to like yeah. relax and distract themselves but like if you can find things to do together that don't involve a screen like some kind of card game that isn't Egyptian rat screw, you know, something non-electronic. Yeah. Because it hurts your eyeballs. Yeah, I will say, like, I just have a hard time doing things that aren't, like, passively looking at a screen when I'm in any kind of discomfort because they stop distracting me. So, like, writing or reading or, like, doing anything, like, I knew that, like, like the thing that's going to distract me and the thing that's going to be, like, the escape yeah. is, like, watching a screen. But I know that you got tired and that is okay and you yeah. took it wasn't even that yeah. I got tired of what we were doing it was just like my eyes were yeah, like strained it, no. so much from only looking at screens so mm-hmm. especially for like a whole week where you can't do anything yeah, you're definitely. gonna want to watch a lot of tv yeah um, so yeah that was that was the only thing definitely good podcasts are good when you want to shut your eyes for me at least yeah so I watched Every top surgery recovery vlog, every video, not like not really, but like I was really like digging into that stuff, like asking all my friends who had top surgery for advice. And like people give some of the same tips, mostly because those tips are like true and good, like get all the pillows, get some straws, stuff like that. Like 100% all that advice is good, but there were pieces of advice that I picked up for myself that I don't really hear people give. So I'm gonna give some like Ezra's unexpected top surgery tips. I'm gonna run through them really quickly. So, um, and some of these are just like things, not even tips, just like things that I noticed that like no one told me about top surgery. Um, first thing, so before I got top surgery uh, and during my time recovering, I have been in a Facebook group. I've specifically been in a Facebook group for uh, non-binary people who have had top surgery just because like that's most relevant to my experience. Facebook groups are a really good resource for like outsourcing information to other trans people and just being like what are these people's experiences like where do I buy cheap button-ups like what should I expect here when could you do this all those questions that like you maybe don't want to nag uh, every close friend you have who's had top surgery maybe you don't have a lot of close friends are trans like those are such a good resource for just outsourcing information to people who aren't necessarily medical professionals but whose like lived experience can inform things that are more like opinion based also if you are a short person and listen trans masculine people all y'all are valid but i hear some of you say that you're short when you're like five seven shut up <laughs> i'm five foot one and a half if you have to include the half, that means you're real boy short. I'm real boy short, and I'm real boy tiny. Uh, and I think that I had some trouble reaching things and doing things that someone who maybe had longer T-Rex arms would be able to reach. So, like, I mentioned before uh, at the beginning of this pod that, like, you don't have a lot of arm mobility. Um, but I think that if I had longer arms, that wouldn't have impacted me so much. So... I got home and immediately found out that, like, I couldn't reach to turn my sink on and off. 
So every time I had to wash my hands, including every time I peed, I had to call Mel in and have her turn the sink on and off for me, which was really annoying. So if you are a shorter trans human who is having top surgery, uh, just keep in mind that certain things that people don't commonly talk about having trouble reaching, you might still have trouble reaching because you don't have any reach anymore. Um, I don't know if you were going to talk about this also, but like with stuff that's really helpful. Yeah. You really wanted that electric toothbrush. Yes, that was a really good one. Yeah. Okay, so I don't use electric toothbrushes. I don't like them. They scare me. I'm a manual toothbrush hoe. How the fuck ever I noticed that my teeth were feeling real gross. Uh, no matter how many times I brushed. And it's because I couldn't put that much arm force behind it. Brushing your teeth is already kind of hard. Like, you can do it, but it's hard post-top surgery. So you don't have a lot of arm force. Uh, generally, things that can do arm work for you are good. Getting an electric toothbrush was a game changer. And they Words. have, like, little cheap single-use. Yeah. Not yeah. single-use, but, like, you throw them out when the battery dies. Yeah, I didn't get anything fancy. Like, that's the other thing is, like, there are electric toothbrushes that look like manual toothbrushes and that have, like, the same kind of, like, light design. Don't get yourself, like, a big honkin' electric toothbrush. It'll suck to lift it. Here's a tip about what not to buy. We thought it would be a really good idea to get one of those grabbers. One of those old people grabbers. It was too fucking heavy. It, and was, it, didn't... it was too heavy and it didn't, couldn't pick up anything. Also, I... I was just thinking the other day, if... Let's say it actually worked and I could pick up that cup from over here. I, I press the thingy. How am I supposed to get it into my other arm? Like, it didn't get yeah. shorter. I think they work for they work for some people, like, further along in recovery. And I think maybe even it'll work for me. Like, I have books on a high-up bookshelf. I think it'll be useful for getting that stuff when I still can't extend my arm all the way up. But I have more strength. But it's not, like, as practical as they make it seem. Yeah. They they seem better in hindsight. I wanted one that looked like a dinosaur anyway. So. <laughs> um, okay. Another invaluable thing. So, showering is huge. One, sponge, sponge baths. They're just good. Give yourself a good, good wipe down. However, you might need help. And I'm sorry. Not give yourself, but more so ask someone. Have your to give lovely you. girlfriend give you a sponge bath. But when it does finally come time to shower, you're going to be so excited to do that. However, you still can't reach your body too good. I had the thought of like, my little sister owns this loofah that is a loofah that's attached to like a stick. So it's like an extended loofah, it's a loofah on the end of like a plastic stick. That was so good because it allowed me to wash my legs while standing up when I couldn't really, like, reach down and wash them comfortably. Uh, and also just helps you, like, I can't really, like, reach over to, like, certain parts of my arms. Like, it was just perfect. Get yourself an extendable loofah. That's, like, my number one. Once you can shower, that will be your friend. I also remember things that, like, are good treats for yourself, so, like... When you get that first shower, like, I also got myself, like, a bath bomb so I could sit in the bath first. You did not get yourself a bath bomb. Well, I was going to get myself a bath bomb, but then my lovely friend Elliot, who we just had on the podcast, gifted me some bath bombs. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have taken credit for this. Um, get yourself, get someone to get you some bath bombs. 
very good. And if you have a friend who's getting top surgery, get them some bath palms. Yeah. They will really appreciate it. Eating was more tiring than I thought it would be. Put, make sure that you have like a flat surface that you can eat on in bed and then put pillows on top of it because otherwise the distance from your plate to your mouth just feels so long. I just didn't expect how tiring it would be to eat food, but like there's really a lot of like arm strength involved in that that you don't have and it's gonna suck a little bit. And then one last thing about bathing that is super not fun. Uh, because you have like T-Rex arms and limited motion, it is hard to wash your pits. And I just need you to prepare for that because I really wasn't. And even that first shower, like it's just gonna be hard to really get in there. And it's gonna make you a little bit sad. And I just need you to know. Just need you to know if you're getting top surgery. It's hard to wash your armpits. And they are for sure the grossest part of you. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. Those are those are basically those are my tips. Tips and tricks from Ezra for people who are thinking about getting top surgery. And I just think like we can never have enough resources and information about this stuff because, you know, there isn't a ton of it out there. There's more all the time, but like I don't think we can ever have enough. I think um we should put the resources you're talking about, like the any like groups or websites and information in the description. Yes, I will link some stuff. For sure. Oh, last fun story. After my first shower, we changed my nipple bandages. And to be fair, it was also like, I'd also gotten out of a hot shower. It was kind of hot in there, but I did look at my grosser nipple and almost pass out. So just be prepared to, you know, get really acquainted with your body and know that like, even if things look gross and scary, like it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Expect the unexpected, like looking at your nipple and almost fainting. My last piece of advice for caretakers is that if you're a caretaker who has boobs, maybe someone who's attached to those boobs, but not necessarily, but just like someone who has boobs, it is okay to just hold them sometimes and comfort them. Tell them they're safe. They're safe. I literally can't listen to you like talk about the pretty like gory details because like my boobs just get so uncomfortable and I literally like we talk about your moldy nipple I need to just hold. I left that detail out for our listeners and you put it back in this narrative I'm not gonna say anything else about it it wasn't actually moldy oh my god it just looked like that I just need to hold my boobs so that they know because it's like that thing where like they don't know and they they look at what happened to someone else and they're like is that gonna happen to me and I'm like no girls you're okay so every person I've talked to who is at all attached to their titties, not like physically, but like emotionally. Well, I hope everyone's attached to their <laughs> titties physically. <laughs> well, there are people who are, I used to be attached to my titties physically, but I didn't want to be emotionally. So people who have emotional attachments to their titties, literally every, like, this is, I was shocked by how many times this has happened. Um... Every, any person I, I tell who has an emotional titty attachment holds their boobs. It, like, makes them uncomfortable. Like, that is, that is the emotional titty they experience. They need comfort. Apparently, yes. They're scared. It's so funny to me. Yeah, so this has been the Top Surgery cast. Also um, known as the booby cast. The booby cast, the titty cast. 
his cast numero dos. So yeah, thank you, Mel, for being such a good partner through all of this, even when I was a grumpy child. But no, you've been really great, and I couldn't have done this without you. And um, honestly, like, I thought, you know, like two years ago that I was going to have to do this without the support of my family, but like, thankfully, I have had them, and I feel really grateful. Um, and yeah, this is just like... I don't know, I feel like this is the start of, like, a whole new part of my life, and I'm so happy and so ready. That's a Ezra P.T. post-titty. Yes. Sincerely Queerly is a production of Earbud Media. Our Twitter is squeerlypod, our Instagram is sincerelyqueerly, and you can email us at sincerelyqueerlypod at gmail.com. Sincerely, Mel and Ezra. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media, audio for everyone.